Welcome to Making Movies is Hard, a podcast about the everyday struggle of being an independent filmmaker. I'm L. Jeffrey Moore. And I'm Art Purcell. Today's special guests are two Bay Area filmmakers who have made the jump to making their first feature film. Lost in the Middle, please welcome Angie Powers and wife producing partner Elizabeth Stark. Hey, ladies, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Awesome. So why don't you guys tell, tell, uh, tell us a little bit about yourselves? Elizabeth, you want right. to start? <laughs> sure. Um, well, let's see. We live in Sebastopol, California, up in the uh, wine country, Sonoma County, and um, where Angie grew up. And uh, we run a business together called Book Writing World, where we teach creative writing to adults. And um, we also do other our own writing projects. And um, Angie's a film, what, a screenwriter, <laughs> projector. <laughs> Pick up anytime you want in. <laughs> I'm just a film. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a novelist turned producer. Yes. And I actually have an MFA in fiction and creative writing, an MA in film, and a screen writing program certificate, and um, made some short films, uh, and now I'm making a long one. So there you go. That's my bio. Made some short films, and now making a long one. Well, that seems to be the the process. Nice. Like you make a lot of short films, then you're like, I should do something else. And oh, hey, let's do a feature. So um, I, I wanted to know about how you both got into filmmaking and, and how you, you know, did you like go to film school? Did you just figure it out on your own? Like, how did you, you know, make your first short film? My first short film, my very, very, very first short film, I actually went to uh, City College in San Francisco. And took a production class, and so the I made a complete short film in the production class that got into the Frameline Festival, and it was an assignment that was basically, you know, take a character through space. And so I thought, well, San Francisco has great railroad apartments, lots of good space, so I used that. And Elizabeth was, in fact, in that film. And uh, (laughs) so that was my first film. That's how I started. That was called Hot Date. Oh, not on IMDb. Hot oh, it's date, not? Huh? Okay. Hmm. I don't Not surprising. See it there. I did everything um, on it, so it's not got the production value that one would have. Uh, but it did yes. play at Frameline, so there you go. That's pretty, that's, that's amazing. Wow. <laughs> so what year was that that you made uh, Hot Date? 2006. Yes. Wow. And is that when you guys met, or did you know each other before then? We met Thanksgiving 1991 at a vegan uh, festival. Festivities. Oh, wow. It's not oh, wow. festival. <laughs> a vegan dinner. A vegan dinner. I'm wow. still enjoying that. Yeah. So. Wow. <laughs> wow. I didn't know they had vegan Thanksgivings yes. in 1991. I Back thought that was like a yes. new thing. What did all that comprise uh, of? No, no it was like maybe? Mario made the seitan turkey, but it was just be- basically like a sponge in a foil pan. And then your the rest of your veggies and like I think yeast gravy wine so wine <laughs> oh wow nice uh, yeah my parents were um, you know macrobiotic uh, cookers or <laughs> chefs cookers chefs chefs I like cookers. when I was a kid there and my go. mom used to make seitan all the time so, oh so you um, totally know yeah but I love seitan more than yeah. Tofurky or anything else. I think seitan's one of the best of the. It's like your comfort things. food. Yes, but isn't it 
pure gluten though. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> and I love gluten, so that's Yeah, doesn't they've bother stripped me, everything but, you know. but the gluten out <laughs> in Satan. So um No, but you, it you is know. not for the gluten free. Yeah. No, not at all. Yeah. Wow. So then, um, yes. so you guys knew, know each other for a long time then. And then, so when you made a uh, hot date, it was just like, did you have interest in acting or was it just more like a thing where Angie was like, Hey, I need an actor. Will you be in this movie? Yeah. I mean, I did acting when I was a teenager, but at that <laughs> point I actually was pregnant and she just needed somebody and I was available and another friend of mine did it. And we used another friend's apartment. It was that kind of thing. Oh, wow. Awesome. And then, so Angie, what made you decide to get into filmmaking at that point in your life? Was it just something that you'd always wanted to do and you were like finally going to do it? Or was there something that drove you towards making that movie and, and doing the frame line thing? Well, I think the the main drive for film for me has always been that it is both collaborative and uh, solo. It is both sort of creative and linear. And it is also, um, you know, there are certain things that are, it's, I just have a very broad set of interests. And so it lets me be the weirdo techie person that I like to be and the intuitive creative person that I like to be. And I really got clear on that when I started making the short films. And then it was just fun because I had that chunk of time with the cast and crew but I had that solo time when I was writing um so I think that's it's one of the few things that lets nice. me really and when have you, all sides when you of started making self. films like what was the goal that you had as a filmmaker was it just to tell that specific story and then nothing else mattered or do you have like you know any other goals in mind when you got into the whole the whole thing well I it's sort of funny. I'm not really, uh, I, I have learned to better promote myself than I did when I first got into film. Our second film, Little Mutinies, was played at the Palm Springs Short Fest. And um, that was a great opportunity to network. There were name actors and hanging directors. out in the film uh, filmmaker lounge. It was and directors. Oh, wow. and, and I showed up with like my shorts and flip flops and everyone else was there with all of the marketing material. And I was like, what is this? Okay. My favorite story about this is that Angie quarterfinal for the Nichols one, one year and a couple of agents called our house to say, you know, what else do you have? And she was like, I don't really write commercial films. <laughs> <laughs> now, wow. in all fairness Angie. in this period we had two oh young goodness. children and you know it was a miracle yes. that we made it to palm Springs. so i give us that no as a parent definitely i totally get the yes. fact that you know at least you got there so wow. now, yeah. and I, now yeah. i have questions about that like were you just not interested in pursuing an agent at that time or was it I like i didn't really understand i was coming from i think well one it was 12 years ago right so at this point so when we look at how the world is now and how it, it was then, like the fact that agents called me, right? Like I think at this point I would get an email or someone would right. catch me up in social media or something. These people called my house. I was having conversations with them. Um, it just wasn't the same concept. I mean, I don't even know exactly when Facebook came out, but 
it was just, it was a different time. And so I didn't really know. And I think, um, Uh. it, it's confusing because you, you think the, that what you want to do is go to Hollywood because those are the jobs and people are there and there is an amazing amount of stuff happening down there right now for sure. And there's amazing things happening up here. And I think when I think about my goals now, uh, I'm excited to find people to collaborate with who are part of the community I'm a part of because I think there are ways now to actually financially support yourself through your creativity and um, be able to do it in a way that doesn't mean you have to go be part of a bigger machine. But I could be wrong. So have the two of you have had a talk about moving down to L.A.? We've had like fantasies sort of about it because we're fiction writers, right? So we're, we're think, we always imagine every scenario. We, we talk about moving to London, Paris, Spain, yes. where, you know, I've never, I've never even been. But um, nice. so it's come up like well, that. Well, we have definitely talked about it. You more than <laughs> I have some friends who are um, definitely part of a community down there. Um, and... Again, I don't, you know, when you look at what it means to be part of these, like when I do uh, corporate video, because again, I have to do that sort of on the side. When I do that, those people are so concerned about things that can make it less fun to be doing the work. And Mm. Hollywood's a business. I don't. Give me an example of the things people are concerned about that make it less fun. I'm just curious. I mean, interestingly enough, I've found that in some ways my standards might be higher than some of my clients with regard to what I'm putting out. <laughs> and right. that's almost always the case. <laughs> I mean, not always, but I mean, you know, oftentimes it's like just get the thing shot and get mm-hmm. it on time <laughs> and good enough is, is, is right. great. For a dollar and a half and – Um, A lot of like, you know, here we're doing these event things. Can you bring one shooter? And you're just like, I could, but I would have nothing to work with in the edit. And they're like, great. (laughs) And so, um, and I have, you know, I don't know. I've never been in the Hollywood, you know, machine. But I imagine that there is also an awareness of, budgets and costs and timeline and who's doing what. And, um, I, I, it's hard to imagine. Maybe it's my, my own limited imagination, but at this juncture going down there, I don't know that I would have the time to maybe do the kinds of things that I would want to do, which is also to build relationships as I'm collaborating with people. Which is definitely kind of how the answer to how did we fund our our feature film. But I want to circle back really quickly and just Mm -hmm. say two quick things about the not being ready to promote yourself and your your art. Because I think there are two two things. One is, um, you know, if you're socialized um, not to be the person who takes center stage, uh, for example, if you're socialized female or you're queer or you're, you know, there's like lots of people who aren't socialized to be like, yes, you're going to be interested in me, you know, thank goodness you called, like, it's about time, you know, Mr. Agent or whatever. So I I think that's, I think that's one thing. And I think the other thing is, 
not understanding the business side of of the art and whatever model, you know, because mm-hmm. I think Angie's sort of intimating that they're, you know, she's really interested in some of the self-distribution models and some of the more grassroots. And we're definitely working in a super micro budget, create, you know, community sponsored um, form. And I think there's a lot that's really exciting about that. And, you know, as a novelist, it's taken me a long time to really commit to also being a part of the industry and understanding it at all the levels and being able to speak to it so that when you, you know, so that you're ready to go out and say, I know what your interests are. I know what you're looking for. Here's how I can say who, you know, how I fit that and how we're, how we're, our interests are, relate and how my art fits into your industry. Right. And that comes with, you know, time, of course, and then also not feeling, not feeling as if you have to do anything in order to quote unquote, make it. But and educating yourself about it, you know, it's it's not that kind of art can sometimes seem super mysterious, like, oh, this is my creative, you know, soul expressing itself. And then it's like, okay, but what, how do you build an audience? What do people actually want? What do we want when we're on the audience side of things? You know, what, and, and actually being willing to ask those questions and put them in conversation with the <laughs> woo-woo creative I think after artist. this conversation, I might want to maybe do an informational interview with some people down there, because if it's at all like the rest of the fun of filmmaking, maybe we should move to Hollywood. (laughs) Well, it's interesting. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're moving to Hollywood right after this recording. I don't know. I mean, I don't really understand how the business side of it really works either, which, you know, is something I'm, well, I'm desperately trying to figure it out, you know? Well, I think there are a lot of things like there's a long history of independent film and, I think when we look at what can be done on what size budget now, it's ridiculous. And when you consider that most films, even ones that people drop $5 million on, are going to actually end up spending most, if not all of their life on a computer screen, it's a very different set of uh, technical requirements than if it's going to be up on a 12-foot screen. Those are just very different animals. And I think we, you can make some amazing stuff. And that's one of the things that I was really experimenting with in terms of the production model for, for Lost in the Middle. I think you can make some amazing things with very limited equipment and with the intention of using... Uh, creating a story to meet your your technical limitations so that you're not spending $150,000 to get, you know, a red when it's actually going to end up on a computer screen. Well, the other thing I would say about that is that, you know, if you shoot on something like even a GH4 or these other less expensive cameras, I mean, they look good enough where if you do blow it up onto a big screen, it does hold up. You know, like there's lots of scenes in, mm-hmm. in big movies that are shot on 5Ds and, and other and iPhones, even. Right. You know, and it's, it's yes. like Jeff right. just challenged me to make a movie on my iPhone uh, recently, which will be a, a podcast episode. I don't know if it'll be out now or later when whenever this pe- episode releases, but um, it was just kind of mind blowing to shoot something with the phone and then look at it on my screen and be like, mm-hmm. this looks pretty good <laughs> like like what the hell right exactly i'm telling you i was very excited when they accepted well, the tangerine, right? Awesome. and 
Well, and talk about what we did. Talk because we shot. We actually with- saw, shot with two GH4s, and um, our cinematographer kindly loaned us his. Uh, he broken on primes, oh, nice. so um, we were shooting on those with the GH4s. We had two cameras going, and the whole intention was to create sort of a three sixty uh, shooting environment. And that the actors can oh, walk around wow. in. And Interesting. It wasn't like, yeah, and it wasn't like it was my creative, like, singular idea. It's actually something that has been around for a very long time. And so uh, I, you know, well, you know, film's been around for a hundred and something years at this point. Um, but it's been around long enough that it wasn't surprising. And there were a lot of articles, books, uh, documentaries where you could hear people talking about doing this kind of project. Uh, and so I really wanted to design it to be, we did boom it, right? We did boom some of it, but we also used a lot of the, uh, wireless, uh, labs to get more flexibility. So you do end up with challenges in framing, and you also end up with interesting opportunities for the actors to engage in ways they might not if it's overly structured. So so when you say 360 shooting environment, do you mean that you like light it in a way where you can shoot the whole room wherever you want to set up the cameras, yes. basically? Um, yes. Yeah, so we were all handheld. Okay. So it's it's a group film. And, and it's supposed to feel both funny and a little bit like the whole world's a little bit shaky. So we were never on sticks. So we did the whole thing handheld and, um, you know, you know, on a rig. Yeah. A lot of natural lighting, augmenting it here and there. And I think it came out surprisingly well, given that. So you know, the value of the film, if we were to add up the time that people volunteered, um, far exceeds what we actually ended up paying out. Um, we're hoping that the film ends up being something where those people can take that volunteer time and be proud of where it ends up and what it's what it's become and where it goes. Yes. Right. Um did, did you guys and, do deferred payment yeah. deals with anybody or was it all just kind of understanding that like this donate, this is do- a donation based film. You're just putting your time into it. And then like, just to make this thing that we all care about. Well, it was that assumed we had a certain amount of planning that we maybe didn't. Basically what happened was I decided we had to shoot it like ASAP. Otherwise it wasn't going to get done. And I still don't think I was wrong. <laughs> Because we didn't really have, yeah, I mean, we didn't really have a hard set requirement. So if we didn't make a deadline, it wasn't going to happen. So we ended up, I am, yes. Yeah. And we got, we got Guinevere Turner attached and, um, and Mm -hmm. then it ended up like kind of having this little media blitz that went viral and we oh, ended wow. up getting like nice. 300 people emailing us saying, I want to be involved. I want to volunteer. So we ended up with this kind of incredible volunteer guest. So we didn't do any formal agreements and there is no profit right. in the movie at this point. Um, if there were, right. I would definitely 
want to funnel it back to all the participants. We like we had no way are planning to, you know, abscond. Yeah, I don't think anybody's saying that. Um, It it really was a scrappy film in many many ways, and um, so there's definitely things that I look back and feel like we could do better, for sure. Um, But right. But that's we one of the things, you know, at this point, we're more crowdfunding. Getting we closer. Really like when I watch this film, I feel good about it. And uh, we submitted to a fairly well recognized film festival and got rejected. But it was a very friendly rejection, <laughs> which to me says something. Yes. Do you, do you want to say what film festival it is? Or you specifically don't want to say rejection. what film festival it is? I would think I want to wait till we get in somewhere before I actually talk about the rest okay. of it. But my yeah. my uh, my old partner the the podcast Timothy his favorite thing is to talk about um, people who get rejected from Sundance and the re- Sundance rejection numbers and how everyone gets rejected from yes. rejected from Sundance unless you're like a certain person whatever. So my inside guess is yes. Sundance, but you don't have to say <laughs> that would be a good guess. <laughs> But, um, you know, and that's why I think it's it's easy to get depressed and dissuaded, but I feel actually like it was a nice rejection, which is not something you normally get. And, yeah. Did it feel like it was, uh, like, tailor-made for you or, yes. or what? And so... Cool. Cool. Yeah. It was... People that's had huge. seen it talked about it well, that's a plus for them actually seeing I mean, it and then saying something about it i mean <laughs> yeah. because there there are talks that you know when when a film is submitted no one ever watches it and they reject you anyway so like if yeah. you put up a vimeo link yeah they they actually download it we actually talked to somebody and, and learned that um people think because you can track you know who's how many views something's had they actually they download it in a way that so that they can you know they sweep it away and watch it somewhere else wow. so we have yeah, that whole that's thing interesting. And i mean it wasn't it, true i just what my initial thought when you're talking about you know the feelings of getting rejected from a film festival especially sundance is just like i don't feel like anyone should be feeling bad when they don't get into sundance and the fact that you got a personalized rejection email i mean that's really wonderful so yeah you guys should be feeling well thank you awesome Definitely. But you know what's funny? And maybe this is partly because film is so collaborative. I mean, because like I say, I'm, I'm really a, a novelist, although actually novel writing ends up being more collaborative than they you'd think. Yeah. But I mean, and maybe because this is Angie's artistic vision, but I just, what I love is that I love this film and that um, I don't rethink it or reevaluate it because of this, you know, rejection. And oh, totally. um, I think that's where you want to get to with, you know, with these kinds of things, because you can't, you know, you can't control it. And we all know films we love that are our favorite films that, you know, didn't make it here, here, and here. And, um, you know, or films you say you have to watch this and someone else can't get into it. So it's all so subjective. But if you can love your own thing, I think that's a, a gift. Well, you know, and in all fairness, we applied at a very late, late date. <laughs> right. And it didn't have color. Or soundtrack. <laughs> so... <laughs> So, so it had, you know, we didn't have the great music that was, that would be coming very shortly. Well, and- I'm just really, cause you talked about shooting with two cameras and you talked about your 360, um, shooting environment that you set up for, for your scenes. Um, mm-hmm. how did you use your two cameras? Like, did you do wide and tight? 
on one actor or did you shoot the the two medium shots of the two actors talking at the same time? Like how how did you use your two it, cameras? It would depend on the setup that we were in. So in some places we would do the wide and the and the medium. And actually we shot in 4K where we could uh, with the idea that we would, in fact, continue to blow up if we needed to. So we didn't do super, super tight because um, we knew we were going out to 180. And we so in some tight spaces, we did that because you couldn't have people sort of super across the room from each other. In bigger spaces, we definitely um, did actually sort of multiple things. So. Uh, if you ever see the movie Elric, um, the there are a lot of circular scenes where people are arguing across a table or doing something like that, and so we would have people in that case, you know, hiding in the hallway at one point, doing one actor, and someone else hide, you know, coming the other direction. So we would get coverage that way. It just depended on the room nice. or the space. That's awesome. Um, so when you did that kind of coverage where you would shoot on either side, like either like, you know, both halves of the table at the same mm-hmm. time, what kind of coverage would you get for those scenes? Would you make sure that you got a medium shot or a close up on each actor talking or did you sometimes just, we let it never go? worried about the, we never worried about the close up ah. because again, we were shooting in 4k. So if you're pushing into a close up, you don't see the background as much so it's not gonna i think the time that when when you blow up and it isn't as effective is when you're going from really wide to say a medium because you have some of that environment and you can have a sense of uh that you didn't really change lenses ah yeah so you thought the way that you guys did it you ended up making it so it didn't really you couldn't tell that you just pushed in like it looks like it could have just been a lens swap just as well right that's smart and then we um, you know, it's also a great way to catch. There were some times when we couldn't have two rolling at the same time. So if we couldn't have two rolling at the same time, I often uh, would ask our one of our uh, the, the second camera operator, Ben, to pick up detail shots, things that we knew we would want to use later. So in some ways, it was a little bit like a documentary, and we knew, okay, in this fight scene, we might, might want to see hands or we might want to see, uh, you know, I don't even remember. I have a big thing for hands, I guess. Um, <laughs> so, so you could get detail shots or other B-roll while the other person was working if they couldn't both be doing coverage. Cool, cool. Uh, nice. I, I want to I get into a lot of, uh, into some of the... Uh, creative part so how how did lost in the middle uh come to be you know as far as like how'd you think about it were there any people in your real life that you were like oh these would make great characters let me let me talk about that yeah i actually started the idea was originally for a wedding um my friend from high school i have have some friends that i am have been friends with since high school and one of them was getting married and I just looked around the table. Of course, all the high school friends were in the back because we're sort of badly behaved. And we, I just looked around and there was one friend talking about how she and her wife have three different anniversaries because of regulations around gay marriage. 
and one person was going through a divorce and one person, you know, was recently married to his, you know, sort of ideal love person. And so the original idea started with, oh, well, old friends at a wedding. Mm -hmm. But old friends at a wedding doesn't really have as much force as grief. Right. Can I just say one more thing about this? Because I, I really love this piece, which is the thing that happened at that, what, I can never remember that, which one it was, but the place in Idlewild where you had to go pitch a film where you got Cine you story. that story. <laughs> do, you, do you know what I'm talking about? Gosh, uh, I, yeah, and we were at a pitch thing and I, I don't remember exactly even what I said, a, so you might have to tell that story. It was to pitch something and it was, it was in a learning environment, so it wasn't like uh, about getting funding or anything, but it was a practice opportunity and it seemed like, well, let's just do this. And so we kind of pulled from some real life stuff to just create really clear, memorable characters, memorable to Angie, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and a story. And, and, and so, and then she went and pitched it and they really loved it. And so I, I feel like that in some ways was the heart of this because you know what I mean? You were started thinking about those people. Right. But the intention of this particular story, I, I love my friends. I think the environment that I grew up in hated it when I was a kid, just hated it. Couldn't wait to leave. Uh, but I think it's remarkably beautiful now. And it's a place that I want to share with other people. So those are the two things, my friends and the place I grew up are the things that sort of drive this story. That's awesome. I mean, one of the things that I really dug about the script, I guess, you know, we haven't really, you know, talked about it, but I am actually in the film and it's all about your character. I know. Right. Just, (laughs) it's just kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. His character is the one who dies. Oh, wow. And so it's, and he was the heart Spoiler. of the group. Yeah, well, it's the beginning. <laughs> it's okay. the beginning. <laughs> there's, there's no trailer, right? So I, have, I don't know anything really about the movie. I, that's the other thing I'm working oh, on right now okay. is, is working on the well, trailer. Maybe by the time we release this episode, the trailer will be done and we can attach it to this <laughs> uh, this episode. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. But what, what was well, really cool, what was really cool about it, you know, is just the fact that, you know, when I read the script, and you know, I, I just realized I was like, man, these these people are like my high school classmates when when I was in high school. You know, I was you know the the theater geek, and so it just you know mm-hmm. everybody was comprised of you know whatever. And most of my classmates who actually came out and later became a part of the LGBTQ community uh, where I grew up in North Carolina and. And seeing the first uh, screening was like, oh, great. This is pretty much what I knew I wanted to see in film anyway, you know, like the new normal, you know, where we're now seeing movies, you know, and TV shows that are beginning to reflect the world that we live, you know, in the 21st century. So, which is, <laughs> well, which is I mean, this is relatively speaking, of course. <laughs> yes. The world we want to see. Some of us are in a completely different the world. The bubble that we live in in the 21st century yeah. in oh, Northern California. Oh, but, but, you know, yeah. Angie, I mean, we're here. We're back where she grew up. And um, and it has some of the drawbacks of the suburbs. But she did really have this quite diverse group of friends. And, um, you know, it's some of 
some of them, none of them were completely out. In that they were the kids that went to college from my high school. (laughs) That's where my friends came out. Well, they all went to college. I was like, well, yeah, I kind of knew, but, you know, thanks. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then, and you grew up in Sonoma County. Is that, is that right? Yeah. So we moved here when I was seven. So. Okay. um, That makes it kind of a new So Yeah. Like I said. I am a newcomer. I did go to an elementary school where they, you know, have people like if your grandparents went here, remain standing and, you know, it is a small town, but it's changing a lot. It is changing a lot and um, in many ways for the better. And um, so it's, but the environment, the space, the, you know, right now I'm looking out my window and just enjoying the storm clouds, the trees and there's just so much greenery here that it I I want to capture that and bring it into the rest of the world and you know I feel like it's just something that it, to me is still so beautiful. That's awesome. That's that's yeah. awesome. That's really cool. Um and another thing. Okay, so I, I haven't told you ladies this but <laughs> I I had a little mini geek fest in my head. Knowing that when I when I first saw uh, the posting on Facebook about your movie and Gwyneth Turner being in it, uh-huh. I of course was like, "Fucking American Psycho!" I'm like, "Hell yeah!" <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I gotta get up in yes. this, you know. And so, how, so how long how long have you guys known each other? And she seems to you know pop up in most of your work. <laughs> well, she's yeah. so amazing, right? If, if you have the opportunity, uh, yes. So I don't exactly remember. Maybe it was my my co-director of. I made a film called FTF Female to Femme, which is a kind of mocku documentary about gender transition, and um, she was in it. And um, that was a long time ago, or I don't know when was that. Anyway. Uh, and that, and so that was, that was kind of how I knew her from that film. And so right. then we asked her to be in, um, in the short, the short little, little mutinies. mutinies and she came up and did that. And I mean, she's just incredibly generous and talented. she's, wow, that's great. yes, absolutely. She's hugely generous. And, you know, we actually had people that were working on that film ask, like, how did you get her to do this? And I was like, um, I asked. <laughs> And so uh, I, I, I do think that That's you my did job. ask. That's we, the reason I'm the producer. It's because yeah. I, I know she's the producer. Well, I asked you. <laughs> and and that was uh, challenging. A lot of asking that we hadn't been married that many decades. <laughs> right. We did have kids. Um, but I do think that one of those things, like when we went to Palm Springs, um, I met, oh my gosh, if you can get a short film into Palm Springs, that is a phenomenal short film film festival yeah. the people there are so congratulations nice congratulations for getting pre- in i mean i i've gotten rejected from oh, them thank a, you. a lot of times so <laughs> yeah they're great i have two like don't they okay. also love going um, so she helped yes so that helps and but we got to meet you know some you know directors of feature films talk about like how do you connect with stars and how do you strategize and how do you do those kind of reaching out things. Again, I'm terrible at those. So I guess I would suggest to filmmakers out there, if you are terrible about asking for things, marry someone who's better at it. 
And then or find um, a producer. You don't have to marry that person. <laughs> right. Well, that's right. a marriage pretty much into itself, though, whether it's uh, yeah. right. Right. on paper or partnership. One of the things that the director we spoke with, maybe uh, whose name I'm forgetting, um, at, at Palm Springs suggested is there's this incredible depth of talent among women, you know, sort of in their later 30s and up. Um, and that you can go to, to those women and, and sometimes they'll even produce a film. You know, they'll be interested in playing a, mm-hmm. a, a fiscal role and a talent role if they see it as a strong vehicle for themselves. That wasn't yeah. exactly the strategy here, but I just thought, you know, that's what I've just heard is that, the, you know, there's Interesting. Just, everybody's writing films for people who are very young and there are incredible people who are not very young. Well, the leads in my yes. movies are like, uh, or my movie that I'm trying to make are mid thirties or older. It could be like mid thirties to late, their early forties. Yeah. So, so, you know, mm-hmm. hey, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> there you yeah. go. Yeah. Well, so the guy that we actually talked to was Eric Avellino, and he did American Gun, and that was his film. And he again was talking about just that that. Again, strategic. I don't think it's just women of a certain age that are interested in that. I think there are so many people and so many communities who are ready to see their own stories prioritized. And so I think you can reach out in ways that you might not expect. Um, You know, it's just... Right. If you're telling a compelling story... People want to hear that and be part of it. Yeah. Um, I think reaching those people so. is the hardest part because sometimes the agents and the managers can put up a pretty big wall to get through, you know? So having that personal Absolutely. connection helps. Yes. But I'm a big fan of you can also manufacture the personal connection to a certain extent by really understanding not only the person that you're going after, but maybe even the agent or the manager, whoever's providing the wall, like really saying, doing a little bit of research and saying, you know, you, I, I noticed that your client, you know, X did this indie film and it was really successful. And I feel like this could be a similar vehicle for client Y because I really targeted this, you know, role to, I've shaped this role for them or whatever. And I would love uh, to have a chance to, I mean, I just, this is, yeah. this is really from the literary side of things that I've mm-hmm. been learning this, but just, you can, you know, it's like, it's just the difference between like hitting on someone at a bar because they're the next person after the person you, who just rejected you and you're really <laughs> right, drunk. Right. Right. Versus it's just like I, right. Versus like, I know who you are and I want to work with you and mm-hmm. your client for these specific reasons. Right, right, right. Exactly. Like it's crafting the, the introduction basically. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but Absolutely. I feel like, you know, for um, anyone that, like any of the people that are on the top list of who I want to be in my movie, there's all like, really amazing they're all really amazing people that i I would have a really good you know explanation of why i want them you know and it isn't Mm -hmm. for me it isn't just anybody it isn't just like whatever actor uh i can get i want it's like no i'm truly going after certain specific people for certain specific reasons whether it's like i have a connection to them through some work that they've done that i feel really really strongly about or because i've seen them in other things that I feel like they're underutilized, mm-hmm. like, you know, whatever. There's, like, lots of different reasons, you know. Yeah. Um, and that might be one of those places where being a per- – not just someone who's submitted to a film festival, but festival, but someone who is a participant, who, who participates in a film festival community, you can actually get closer to people because you're 
the person who's there uh, helping the film festival get that person's work out or um, working with people who works work with that person. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's tough. And also, who, <laughs> right. who totally needs tough. the, th- you know, who, who is it out there? Like, just thinking from their side, like, what do you have to offer them? You know, and I, I love mm-hmm. what you're saying, Ulrich, and I think that's exactly it. Like, that you're, you're specifically looking after them and like, what's the win-win and just, you know, and just not being afraid to say it. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a good point. Um, so we have about five minutes left. Um I'm just really curious. So you've got this movie. It's done. You're or almost done. You're submitting it to film festivals. Um, mm-hmm. What, like, what are your plans next? Are you just going to stick with this in in the festival stage and trying to get it released? And you, you talked about self distribution. Is that sort of what you're looking at for this film? Yeah. So my hope is to really. You know, there's a lot of ways right now where you can pay someone to put your movie somewhere. What I want to do is connect with people through a film festival run, and I think that's possible, and develop audience of film lovers and then move into a place of, of distribution from that process. I don't think I'm going to get picked up by some big company, but, uh, but you know, you know someone... Right. Well, you know, someone local, uh, a friend of ours, the the aunt of one of our kids' friends, <laughs> that is totally did how it's done. Lane nineteen. <laughs> right. <laughs> but she had a film in South by Southwest called Lane nineteen seventy three, and was also shot up here in Sonoma County. Uh, not a comedy, and you know, she got picked up by the Orchard, and um, I think there are companies that are interested in looking at. Uh, films that are doing well and building audience and helping it get to where it needs to go on a platform and be featured. But I think if it doesn't end up being that route, it's important that, you know, we have a plan B. So the plan B then would be, how do we get it onto a platform like iTunes in such a way that it has a chance of being seen in a bigger way? So it's not just like, oh, it's up on iTunes. Here's the, you know, 400 character link but how do we figure out to get it even for a day as a featured film on on the itunes front page real real quick real quick if you really wanted to have it um distributed by some not major but you know quasi major distribution company where do you think lost in the middle fits fit in the uh grant and we're gonna have to cut this out but when Ah, oh, just lost my train of thought. You're you're done. I'm yeah, I'm done. No, no, I was like, oh, no, no, no. As far as like, if you if you had a distributor, who would you want it to be? Where does Lost in the Middle fit for which which company that you think? Mm. Well, you know, there's always fantasies like Focus Features. I think they do a lot of interesting nice. things. I was going to say something like A24. Yeah, you I was know? totally thinking that. Yes, A24 is another <laughs> great, yes. We would all we all um, want to be A24 uh, movies, right? <laughs> well, right? Yeah. Those are the only ones worth, no. But I think, yeah, that would be awesome. I think, and here's one of the other things, like production value is, is probably going to hamper this film as well. Like, 
I think it looks great. I think it's enjoyable. I intentionally shot it that particular way, but it doesn't have the gloss that another film will have. And it will. Yeah, don't sell yourself short. I mean, there's Tangerine, Unsane. (laughs) Both of the both of those films are shot on iPhones. Yeah, I feel like some people. I feel like to me, what I like in a movie is is like raw, like power you know whether whatever mm-hmm. that means to, to you but like it could be in performance it could be in visuals it could be in just the way that you focus your lens you know and so but right. i don't think that feeling that i'm describing or trying to describe has anything to do with production value you know i think right. it just has to do with the way that you look at the world and the way that you capture it as a filmmaker you know and yeah. and i respond really well to a movie that has that kind of energy, you know? And I mean, like, this isn't a great example because Get Out also had a great budget, but that's an example of a movie that I feel like just had this raw energy to it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But there's other movies that are older or maybe even had lower budgets, like, you know, that that also have that raw power to them too, you know? Um, If only I could name some right now. (laughs) But, but, uh, yeah, but I mean, I think we all know what what that feels like when you see a movie that has that kind of, like, richness or just – it just draws you in, you know? And I think I was very, very lucky – with the cast, with the crew, we had amazing people step forward. Our cinematographer and our uh, second cam did a lot of work. I mean, you know, if you don't know how much work a cinematographer does, uh, you don't really sort of understand film. <laughs> right. <laughs> they were so skilled and um i just felt very lucky to be working with them on the project and they worked well with our sound crew and um you know having a crew that gets along is so important and we had literally we had a couple of days where we shot 20 pages and the yeah i mean the entire film was 12 days and um so it's Definitely, you know, of the things like between a fancy camera and fancy this is and that's like spend some time maybe on team building. And, and how big was your team um, altogether when you on any given shooting day? Oh gosh! Well, just from the craft services angle, I will say that we were at sort <laughs> of like a big day was maybe feeding twenty twenty to twenty two people, including um, cast and a crew. And that, and there were there were eight main there were like eight lead characters so it was it was a pretty tight crew. Nice, wow! But twenty that's still pretty freaking you know substantial, especially on that Absolutely. kind of budget. I mean, my goodness, that's pretty amazing. But that's like yeah, I guess so. It was, I was expecting were, like five or ten or something. Right? <laughs> and that's that's the thing. That, again, we were so blessed with people taking time to participate and be you know and i said it at the the cast and crew screening but for me there probably are very few screenings besides that one that will be more stressful because this is the work they did and it was my responsibility to do something with the work that they did and to make their time worthwhile so Having that group of people see it and like it felt 
probably more important than almost anything else except for getting it out into the world. <laughs> wow. Nice. Um, well, I know awesome. we have to wrap it up. So um, mm-hmm. last question for you, where can we find your work? Do you have a website? Um, is there a place that we can see your previous movies, trailers, anything like that? So uh, angiepowers.com. I have my stuff up there and uh, it should have links to different smaller projects that I've done. Although I'll be honest, I need to <coughs> update it. Um, also check out our and, podcast, Storymaker Show, which is on iTunes and Stitcher and all that. Oh, yeah. And then and then we have Lost in the Middle on Facebook. So if you look it up Lost in the Middle movie on Facebook, um, you'll see four photos there. <laughs> awesome. So. Sweet. And there's more to come. I mean, we, we're we're kind of just I'm we're kidding. turning I'm public kidding. sort of now, right? So we're, we'll do we'll do yes. it. We'll, yeah. So you'll you'll hear more. Well, right now it's yeah. probably late January, maybe early February is when people are going to be hearing this roughly. Um, oh, it's going to be yeah. so amazing yeah. by then. Then everyone yeah. will You're have already love these heard sites. Of it, so. Oh, great, perfect. <laughs> right. They'll have yes. seen the trailer before they listen to this podcast, yeah. you know. They'd have seen exactly. the movie, hopefully. It's in their local <laughs> yeah. theater. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. totally. We'll definitely, definitely wish you guys the best of luck. I thoroughly enjoyed being a part of the production. I thoroughly enjoyed meeting the two of you, and it's just been a blast. Well, oh, it has. Thank, thank you, you so much, and, Jeff. And you are so talented, Jeffrey. It's, it was an honor to yes. have you be the oh, heart of the stop film. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. Keep going. He is, Stop he is it. very talented. We all know that. Yes. Um, yes. And then so. one one little, really quickly. So Angie and I actually worked on a movie together, like what, yes. two years ago, Angie, roughly? Maybe more? Uh, I think I think it's three, three years, years ago, ago at this oh point. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It, yeah. And I remember talking to you at the time, then you were saying, oh, I'm going to go out and make my first feature, hopefully soon or whatever. And, and <laughs> it's amazing that like, yeah, three years later, Later, it's done that's awesome so in the blink of an yeah, eye it's pretty pretty amazing i mean well hey i've been working on the same movie since then and and yes. i'm still fundraising so so yeah hey let me know if i can volunteer on either of your guys's projects oh. or anything that i could do yeah, to that's, help. That's, yeah. that's mostly how we're paying back that. our cast and crew so in kind well, labor well, yeah. sweet yeah no. if you want to you know work on uh, in the camera department on my movie i'm sure we'll uh we'd love to have you um all right it <laughs> will be very yeah. very low <laughs> <laughs> but it'll be fun. I, I understand that. The great thing that. about yes. film people is so. that, you, you know, you guys just can't get enough of it, right? I mean, no. that's, that was the amazing yeah. thing. Everyone just we wanted to be there to for 12 it. hours a day. It's yeah. like, we just can't stop. One yeah. for yeah. punishment. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, yes. uh, well, we'll have links to all the things that you guys just talked about on the website. Um, we'll find, you know, your old movies, trailers, whatever, all that stuff will be there. Um, if you want to check out our website, you can go to makingmoviesishard.com where you can find links to things we talked about on this episode. Um, you, if you want to get in contact with us, you can send an email to podcast at makingmoviesishard.com or find us on Twitter at and Facebook at podcast. And please, if you like the show, please tell a friend, spread the word. You can also leave a review on, on iTunes or Stitcher. And uh, Jeff, we'll have to put your contact information on there because... You don't have access to the podcast email, but we'll make sure that your email's on there too so people can see you and awesome. reach out to you. Um, but yeah, Jeff, thank you for a great episode. And uh, Elizabeth thank you, and Angie, you guys thank are amazing. You. Thank you so much. It's really and fun. Thank you, Super Alric. inspiring. And I'm you know, basically going to just take that energy and go make my movie next year Woo-hoo! no matter what. Yes! <laughs> yeah. Yay! Yeah. All right, guys. Have a great week. <laughs> Bye. Bye. You too. Bye.